one of my goals for my specific student body population is to pull out the introverts. And this particular program gives them a platform and a forum to engage just as much, if not more, than the extroverts. You're listening to Ed Curation, the podcast where teachers talk curriculum. We make it easier for educators to find the resources they need to create fresh, lively, and authentic learning. Hi, everyone. This is Christy, and today we're going to learn about a resource that increases student voice, engagement, and high-level thinking, which are all things we strive to increase in our classrooms. We're welcoming Deidre Spicer, who is one of the original founders of the Orange County School of the Arts in Santa Ana, California. 24 years later, Deidre is still teaching there and loving it. Welcome, Deidre. Thank you for having me, Christy. I'm excited to be here. What has kept you teaching? I like interacting with students. I like interacting with young people. In many ways, it gives me hope for the future. And I feel very fortunate to have the job that I do. Thanks. Well, tell us a little bit more about Orange County School of the Arts. What do you teach there? Tell us about your students. All right. My students who go to Orange County School of the Arts are artists. (laughs) And we have 20 different art conservatories. So to get into the school, which is a charter school, they go through an audition or a portfolio process, depending on what art conservatory they are applying to. We have conservatories such as opera and culinary and several different dance departments, several different instrumental music departments. The kids go to school from eight to two for their academics, and that's where I come in. And then they go to school from two to five to their art conservatory. So it's a full day and a very comprehensive and rigorous program, both academically and both in their chosen art. Is it hard to get in? Is the selection process fairly rigorous? It's based on talent. So it depends on the director of the particular art conservatory. And if they want a student, then that student will get in. There's really no academic barriers. It's really based on talent. We are in central Orange County, Mm -hmm. so we pull from all over the county. We also pull from Los Angeles, like Arrowhead. I have kids who get on a bus and a train and then walk a block to get to school. So the students tend to be very committed. (laughs) And have you been there for your the whole 24 years that you've been teaching? I am so happy that I helped found the school here in Santa Ana and create the curriculum and the program. I've been teaching advanced placement literature and composition for the full 20 years that OSHA has been in Santa Ana. I've taught many other classes along the way, but in the literature and comp department, my main class has been advanced placement literature and composition. Right now, I also teach modern plays and a media analysis class that I designed and originated. As well. Wow. So that's obviously your passion. You're an English teacher. And tell us, as an English teacher, what is your favorite curriculum tool or product that you want to share with our listeners? 
I really find a lot of benefits from the program Actively Learn. And I find a lot of resources in this program, as well as interactive tools that allow for full engagement with all my students. And as I told you, we have a lot of performers. We also have visual artists, but the performers tend to be very extroverted. So one of my goals for my specific student body population is to pull out the introverts. And this particular program gives them a platform and a forum to engage just as much, if not more, than the extroverts. So I'm hoping it makes them feel valued. And indeed, I have gotten feedback about actively learn from introverts that tell me they love it. They prefer it over, for instance, a classroom discussion. And of course, I do both. But the actively learn gives them the opportunity to write things down, formulate their thoughts. And then even if they're shy, they're prepared to speak. So I'm really excited to hear about this because I am a former English and theater teacher as well. And this is not a program I've ever heard of. So for people like me who don't know what this is at all, tell us about it. What exactly is the program and what does it look like in a classroom? Okay. Actively Learn is accessed through computers. We use Google Classroom. So it is in sync with Google Classroom. And it's very easy for me to operate. It's very easy for the kids to operate. And it has a lot of content. So for instance, right now, in light of all the current events, I just went in to see what they had. And for English teachers specifically, there was a lot of representation as far as African-American writers, as well as current events, as well as context pieces, history, articles on history. So the content delivers the full package, not only your primary resource, let's say a poem by Claude McKay of the Harlem Renaissance, but then non-fictional secondary sources that provide context for the time. So paired texts. Multiple sources, actually. So I put together something for the beginning of next year, again, that is relevant to what's going on now. So they stay very modern (laughs) in their content. But again, I also downloaded a couple poems from the 1800s. Now, when I say content, not only do they have the material, but questions embedded throughout the material. And then on the side, as the students are reading the text, there will be annotations. Now, Actively Learn includes annotations, and it will be under the name Miss Spicer. I can add my own annotations, which I do frequently. I can highlight certain parts of the text and then provide the student with my annotations or comments or definition of a word. However, a student can also highlight a word and it will provide the definition. So it has a lot of interactive abilities. The students can annotate themselves and the comment will show up on the side. And 
often I require that they annotate three to five times, and there'll be an ongoing thread of students, thereby creating an online discussion, Mm. similar to a blog, actually, but it's a written exchange for the students. And they can put in emojis and, you know, all the contemporary features that they're familiar with. So it sounds like it invites all the different components of close reading, text analysis, discussion around a text, and it's all provided for you in this one easy place on Google Classroom, and students are able to interact around the text. Can you talk more about what you mentioned earlier when you said that this program really gives voice to some of your more introverted students? Yes. Because many of these more introverted students, and indeed many of my better writers historically, are the introverted students Mm. because they express themselves in the written format. So when they are required to annotate and contribute to an online discussion, it's a far more comfortable arena for them. And they find it much more helpful in being able to express themselves. And I have given surveys on this again, because I'm collecting my own data as far as how to make introverts feel valued. So I've gotten a lot of good feedback from introverts on this particular platform. So interesting. I mean, when I was growing up, it seemed like school was custom designed for introverts, and I am not one of them. I and all the other extroverts like me were constantly being told not to talk. It seemed like all my teachers had some kind of auto response that just sounded like, is there a reason why you're talking? I can't think of any reason why anyone would be talking in this classroom. And the reason was because we had something to say, but we weren't invited to contribute. But then pedagogy shifted, and by the time I was a teacher, we were all standing in front of our classrooms begging students to speak up and participate, saying things like, anyone? anyone. So now to have this tool that allows for and invites different learning styles, temperaments, preferences, and modes of expression, it just, it seems like it should be a given, but it's not a given, at least not in my experience. It's fabulous. Plus, Deidre is about to tell you how you can differentiate for all kinds of different student needs. So great. Another component that is valuable in this program is there is a setting to deliver additional support for students on an individual level if you need to provide accommodations for specific students. So this is a feature I use quite a bit in helping students that need additional information or support with the content that they are engaging with. Talk a little bit about the text selection. You said there's a wide range of texts of different links and different topics. Yes. When you go onto the Actively Learn homepage, they have a tab on top. And I normally go to the one that's called Genres. Of course, there's curriculum units. There's current events. It really is good for all subject matters. But for my purpose... I go to genre because that's my subject area and that fits the style of the way I organize my curriculum. So I may just look through the short stories or the poetry 
or they also have a category called thematic issues. So I could look at isolation or race relations. I can also bring in my own content and then tailor it to embedding questions. I do this often. So you upload a text that you want to work with, and then all of the annotation and discussion features are available to you with that text. Correct. That's amazing. Yeah. I do that more, actually, than select from their content. Although I love having their library, if you will, available so I can see what applies to any specific unit I'm in. Deidre, how did you learn about Actively Learn? Is this something you've been using for a long time? You know, probably about four years. My school had a professional development. The minute I saw it, I was excited about it. So I use short videos a lot. And this is another feature I can bring in my own videos. And Actively Learn has a lot of videos in their library, but I can bring in my own, which I do a lot, especially. I teach Jane Eyre, and between the British Library and BBC, there's so many resources. I can bring in videos and embed questions within the videos. Are these full-length videos? So say if a group was studying The Merchant of Venice or something. You could upload a full video. I tend to use shorter ones to provide context. However... With my media literacy unit, I use a lot of videos that are about 20 minutes, but a lot of them are instructional videos as far as educating the kids on tools to verify sources, discover what's reliable, what's not. How do you verify sources? A really important 21st century skill. Yes, verifying sources is a really important 21st century skill, one which we seem to all be struggling to master recently. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. news. There's a lot of people, Stanford for one, who have developed a lot of videos to help kids with that, to educate kids with that. What did you do before you found this? How has it changed your practice? That's a really good question. And I discovered this program at the same time we were getting on board with Google Classroom. So a lot of that is just going from hard copy curriculum to technology, kids interacting with online curriculum. I like the actively learn for so many reasons. Before this, kids would read a text and then answer questions afterwards. I prefer they read the text and have the questions embedded in the online format. And if they don't answer the question, the program prevents them from going further. So it requires engagement at that moment. So it keeps the kids present from moment to moment, from chunk to chunk as they work their way through the text. So that kind of leads me to my next wondering, my next question, which is, 
how has it improved student achievement? What have you seen students achieve that they wouldn't have necessarily achieved otherwise? As I said earlier, it does allow a forum for introverts. And one reason I keep going back to that is because one of my professional goals is to help them feel comfortable and more relaxed in expressing themselves because they will have to do that Mm -hmm. at one point in their life. And I've used a lot of things in the past. I prefer actively learn because once they have written it down, I can call on them and they've already practiced it. So I've noticed higher achievement level and their ability to articulate their thoughts in a verbal expression. I want to see the kids achieve a sense of autonomy. That's something they will need to call upon at one point in their life. To do their own thinking. To do their own thinking. To read closely for themselves. And they can always go into groups afterwards. Yet to emphasize this idea of autonomy in their reading and thinking and writing. When I was in the classroom... I tended to gravitate toward programs and resources that also taught me something that I felt like upped my game as a teacher or gave me a new way to approach something. Has Actively Learn done that for you at all? Yes. So this is one place I can go and find resources that are relevant either to a genre, a theme, a current event. And it's, it makes it much more simpler and yeah. time-consuming. I also like they provide rubrics, which I haven't mentioned yeah. yet. That's super helpful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Game changer. <laughs> Very valuable. So it has allowed me to align my questions that I choose to embed in a video or text with the specific rubric provided, Mm -hmm. and their rubrics are aligned with Common Core standards. Mm -hmm. So as far as learning something, I always want to stay relevant. I always want to stay modern. You mentioned that your school held a professional development, and that's how you learned about this program. How long would you say it took you to become a proficient user and to feel really confident using this resource? I would say about a year. Now, they have added some new features since the first year. So I'm constantly learning. In fact, the video edition is fairly recent, I'd say within the last two years. However, the way I approach technology might be different for younger people. <laughs> I'm a boomer and I am a digital immigrant. <laughs> I was not raised with technology. So I like to pick one or two platforms at the most and learn them very thoroughly mm-hmm. in that year. And then I'll evaluate it toward the end of the year. Was that beneficial? Do I want to stick with that? And this one's been a keeper. That's great. So I'm assuming that that initial workshop or that official initial training was a 
was a face-to-face workshop? Do they also have online tutorials or places that you can go for help to learn more about the platform? How did you teach yourself this? I just explored it. Sat down, spent time. Again, it's extremely user-friendly. So if someone with my relationship with technology has this much ease and proficiency and success, I think it's extremely accessible for everybody, to tell you the truth. Nice. And you have said a couple ways that you know that your students like it. You've said that they're very engaged whenever you're using it, that it's given some of your quieter and more introverted students more of a voice. What other evidence do you see that students like this, that this is a positive program for them? They're written answers. And this can be designed however the teacher wants, whatever fits your instruction. It can be a short answer. It can be a long answer. Sometimes I'll assign paragraphs and you can even assign an essay. Whether or not you make it low stakes or high stakes mm-hmm. is up to the individual teacher and task, obviously. Yet I'm getting better quality as far as the written answers. And especially with AP, I need to keep them writing. Even if it's just a paragraph, even if it's just two paragraphs, I would prefer quality. And then we can build up to the quantity. To the quantity. Yeah. I think that's probably huge because I hear from teachers all over that writing is so often the things that both students and teachers struggle with. Just how to tackle the writing piece and get our students writing and improving the quality of their writing. Yes. So I think that'll be great for a great draw for our listeners to maybe check out this resource. Do you have a particular story of success about a certain student and what a certain student achieved with the text or something using this curriculum? Yes, I had this one young woman. And she was one of those students who just was crippled (laughs) Mm -hmm. to get up and express herself. Brilliant instrumental musician in the symphony orchestra, but incredibly introverted and shy. So once we started using this program, she came up to me and told me how thankful she was for it. The way I structured it was they would work on their actively learn, reading the text, processing the text, writing annotations about the text, and then meet in groups or and then present. Mm -hmm. So she felt much more comfortable getting up in front of a class and, and speaking. I have heard a lot of the kids say this is so much more relaxed than a Socratic seminar, where I always feel put on the spot. Right. Yeah. It's so inspiring when you can see a student have a breakthrough like that. I mean, really, that's why we do what we do as teachers. Yes. So who would you recommend check this out? Any teacher in the humanities department. But since a teacher can bring their own text or video or even graph, into what's called my workspace and then modify it however they want and design instruction in it, I would say, I would think anybody. 
anybody, any teacher in any yeah. content area, especially now since the science and math teachers share the literacy standards under Common Core, I would guess that this could be a great resource for those teachers who aren't even sure where to start addressing those literacy standards in their content area. Absolutely. To have a science teacher bring in a Neil deGrasse Tyson video yeah. and have the kids answer questions embedded in that video. I mean, as an English teacher, that excites me as far as how it could foster their literacy skill. All right. Well, tell us also to wrap up, Deidre, what is the next curriculum resource that you might be looking for or maybe one that's in your imagination, something that would make your job easier? Yeah. In light of the current teaching situation with COVID-19, from what I've read, according to the scientists, any kind of program that is more asynchronous, where kids can learn at their own time, they don't have to be at a particular meeting online, Mm. where they can access material, whether it's a video of me giving a lecture or delivering a slideshow. What I'm envisioning (laughs) is something where I can show material and annotate and speak. That would be good. And students can just pull it up at their on their own schedule and complete like a module of instruction. Yeah, that sounds like something we're all going to be looking for. So I'll definitely keep my eye out and let you know when that comes along. Well, Deidre, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing Actively Learn with our listeners today. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in to the Ed Curation podcast today. You can find Actively Learn on our website, edcuration.com. That's E-D-C-U-R-A-T-I-O-N.com. Type Actively Learn in the search bar and you can connect to a representative directly through the site using the Connect to Vendor button. You'll find all kinds of instructional resources on Ed Curation to keep your instruction fresh lively, rigorous, and engaging. And if you found this episode engaging, please follow us, subscribe, like, and share.